Better? Just pull up at Mike? Okay. I won't run around and, you know, I'll just stay here. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Exodus chapter 32. Let's read verse 7, starting in verse 7 this evening. Exodus chapter 32, verse 7. The Lord said unto Moses, Go get thee down, for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them, and made them molten calf, and have worshipped it, have sacrificed hereunto, and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. And Moses, verse 11, And Moses besought the Lord his God, and said, Lord, why doth thy, thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power with great and, mighty, and with a mighty hand? Worship shall the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did, the, did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and consume them from the face of the earth. From Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of the evil against thy people. Remember Abraham and Isaac and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and saidest to him, I will multiply your seed at the stars of heaven, and all the land I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented. Of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. And Moses turned and went down from the mount. And the two tables of the testimony were in his hand. And the tables were written on both their sides. On one side and on the other were they written. Were they, writ they written. And the tables were the work of God. And the writing was the writing of God. Graven upon the tables. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted. He said unto Moses there's a noise of war in the camp. It said, it is not the voice of them that shout for mastery, neither is the voice of them that cry for being overcome, but the noise of them that sing do I hear. And it came to pass as soon as they came nigh to the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing and the Moses' anger waxed hot, and he cast the tables out of his hands and brake them beneath the mount. And he took the calf which they had made and burned it in the fire and ground it to powder and strawed it upon the water. And made the children of Israel drink it. And Moses said unto Aaron, What did this people unto thee that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? And Aaron said, Let not the anger of, of, of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people that they are set on mischief. They said unto me, Make us gods which shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man that brought us out of the land of Egypt, we want not what is become of him. And I said unto him, Whosoever hath any gold, let him break it off. So they gave it to me, and then I cast it into the fire, and there came out this calf. <laughs> and Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among the, their enemies. And Moses stood at the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. And he said to them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Put every man his sword by his side, and go in out of the gate to gate throughout the camp, and slay every man his brother, every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. The children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. They fell of the people that day about 3,000 men. And Moses said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, even every man upon his son, upon his brother, that he might bestow upon 
you a blessing this day. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses said unto the people, Ye have sinned a great, a great sin. Now I will go unto the Lord. Peradventure I shall make an atonement for your sin. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin, and it made them gods of gold. And now if thou wilt forgive their sin, if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. Therefore go now, lead the people into the place of which I have spoken to thee. Behold, my angels shall go before thee, nevertheless in the day with I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. And the Lord plagued the people because they made the calf which Aaron made. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you just bless the night as the word has been spoken. Lord, help us to understand it and hear it. Help us to grasp it for ourselves, Father, and help us to be able to obey it most importantly. We thank you for the opportunity once again to be in your house and on this Sunday night and to gain more knowledge from your word. But may it be more than knowledge, may it be a part of our lives that we can go from this place. And if there be a sin in our own life that plagues us, that God help us to be repented. Help us, Lord, understand it, to grasp it, Lord, and change, be willing to change from it. And walk a different way and not be under thy judgment. For we are your children and we desire not to be chastised. But because of your love, sometimes we deserve your chastisement. God, I pray you'd give us grace and mercy. Oh, God, I pray for America that you'd give us grace and mercy. We know that we are a sinful people. We've murdered many. We've, di- we've blasphemed your name. We've, we've called good evil and evil good. We've, we've done every imaginable sin. And I pray, God, that you show us mercy for a little time longer so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can be preached before it's too late. We know the day of your return is intimate. Pray you bless today in Jesus' name. Amen. In Houston, Texas, you might find an unusual phenomenon. You may pay and, and learn about animals, of course, at a zoo. The alligator, the alligator exhibit can tell you much about people. In every cage, you will probably find some type of water, but especially at the alligator cage, you will find lots of coins. Why is that? Why an well, that could be true, Norm. But the real reason is there's a sign there that says, don't throw in the coins. Now, nowhere else is that sign there, but at that alligator cage is the sign, don't throw in the coins. You see, it is our very human nature to do opposite of what we're told to do, isn't it? We like to do the opposite. Here in Exodus chapter 32, we see a very dreadful scene. If you remember, Moses is on the Mount Sinai. He was there for 40 days and 40 nights. He was there learning the very will of God for God's people. And he was there for a time, remember, longer than the people down below could understand. They were kind of like Baptists at 12 o'clock. They're ready to go. I look at that clock especially on noon on Sunday morning, because I know folks are not thinking about me. They're thinking about some place to eat. They were ready to do something different. They got tired of waiting for the man of God, even though they were instructed to wait, even though they were told to wait, even though they were supposed to wait on God. They didn't. 
And the Bible talks about they didn't, that they delayed, they didn't delay. They went ahead and started hearing from other people and they started to chatter and talk and, and grumble and complain. And of course they went to the second man, which was Aaron. And Aaron began to listen to their complaints and their naysaying and, and why are we waiting on Moses? And finally they said, well, let's just do what we want to do. And it was totally opposite of God's will. So first of all, this evening, we see the discernment of the Lord in verses 7, to, 7 through 10. God instructs Moses to get back down to, peop, back down to his people. Notice what he says in verse 7, Thy people, which thou broughtest up out of the land of Egypt. Now, if you've raised kids, you've probably heard that before. Your son is now disobeying, or your daughter now is disobeying. You've probably heard that before. And, of course, these things happen this rebellion happened we see in genesis chapter 6 verse 12 and god looked upon the earth behold it was corrupt and all the flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth why do we see this corruption why do we see this this trouble well several lessons surfaced at this point in the in the life of of wicked people god sees our own wickedness God sees our own wickedness. Some people believe that, you know, you can live your own life and, no, and God doesn't care and God doesn't see. But the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3, the eyes of the Lord are every place, beholding the evil and the good. God sees. We're not just out here doing our own thing the way we want to do it. God sees our own sin. He sees our, our struggle. And the Bible talks about the fact that he's angered by our sin and rebellion. Psalm 7, verse 11, God judges the righteous. God is angry with the wicked every day. God cares about our activity. He cares about our attitude. He wants us to live a life of obedience. And what is obedience? Obedience is doing what we're told when we're told with the right heart attitude. That's good for a 5-year-old, but it's also good for a 95-year-old. God wants all of us to have the spirit of obedience. Sin ruins our lives. It breaks our fellowship with God. It destroys us. It drains us of joy, love, peace, strength, and health. These same people who once praised God, now they're singing and worshiping false idols. Notice the speed of their spiritual fall. The Bible talks about they quickly, they quickly begin to sin. Why did they quickly begin to sin? Because they were double-minded. We're reminded in James chapter 1, verse 8, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Israel had forgotten God. They, forgot, he, they had forgotten what God had done for them in redeeming them and saving them from the land of Egypt. And I believe a lot of times as Christians, we forget what God has done for us. We forget where we were before we were saved. We forget the, the morass, the sin, the struggle that we're in before salvation. We forget the grace that was bestowed upon our life. We forget the mercy. We forget the joy that we had. We begin to forget those things and we go back into sin. And these people, the children of Israel, began to go back in sin. And they became stiff-necked. The Bible says... In 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verse 8, Now ye be not stiff-necked as your fathers were, but yield yourselves in the Lord, enter in the sanctuary that he hath sanctified forever, and assert the Lord your God that the fierceness of this wrath may turn, turn away from you. Israel had become beastly in their behavior. They become pig-headed in their perversion. They become bull-headed in their blasphemy. They become malicious in their mutiny. And dear friend, God's people became the same way. Any sin that the world sins, you and I as Christians can sin the same sin. You, any sin that the world sins, you and I as Christians can sin the same sin. 
And dear friend, we have to be careful because sin will destroy our fellowship with God. Restore our, it, 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 it restore the joy that we have, the peace that we have. And we can sin so quickly. You can go from singing Amazing Grace in the church house and get out there on that old road on 39th and start cussing the person in front of you. And you just said, just as I am, without one plea. It's easy to go from being spirit-filled to be led by the flesh. Oh, we have to be so careful. Why do people become so stiff-necked? Well, spiritual leadership is absent. Moses' temper absent affected the people. Secondly, sinful associations, the wrong crowd. We've talked about that many times. In 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 4, the Bible command tells us, For it came to pass that Solomon was old, that his wives turned his heart against uh, after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. The wrong kind of friends can influence you in a bad way. Peer pressure. We often think peer pressure for teenagers, but I've seen peer pressure for 40-year-olds and 50-year-olds and 80-year-olds. Peer pressure is lifelong. Why? Because the Bible says the fear of man is a snare. Oftentimes, we'll do things in life that we know is not right because we want to please our friend instead of pleasing God. Because we love the approval of men more than the approval of God. How many of you, how many times have you been tempted to go to the wrong place or listen to wrong music or do the wrong thing just because your friends want you to do? And you know if you said no to it, your friend would dislike you, whether publicly or socially. And you know it's true. Yet we go along with it because we want to keep peace. But dear friend, if you know it's wrong, it's wrong. The Bible says, he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. I told my wife many years ago when we first got married, if there's anything I ever do as your husband that bothers you, tell me. Because it's more important that you love Jesus Christ than you love me. Because it has to be your first love. If Jesus is not first in our life, dear friend, then where is he on the list? Fourth, fifth, sixth, on the list at all? He must be first in our lives. Sometimes associations destroy our relationship in life and cause us to be stiff-necked. Proverbs 4, 14 and 15, Enter not in the path of the wicked, and not go in the way of the evil man. Avoid it, pass it not by, pass not by it. Turn away and pass away. Thirdly, shallow spiritual growth. We, we're comfortable with being mundane. We're comfortable in our sin. We don't want to grow spiritually. We don't, want to, we don't want to stretch ourselves spiritually. Now, in every other area of life, when it comes to business, oh, I'll, I'll work a little extra here and there. Ah, oh, socially, I'll do a little more things to get accepted. But grow spiritually? To spiritually stretch ourselves? That's a different thing. To try to go on visitation, even though it might be a fearful thing. To try to pass out a gospel. or faith promise because it might hurt you and you may can't go to Starbucks five times you have to go three times God forbid shallow spiritual growth some people stay the same spiritually from the time they're 12 to the time they die because they never take a step of obedience your obedience to Christ should be different today 
share the gospel. If you're still to the point where you're just happy to live in this world and don't care if, it, if everything, everybody dies or goes to hell, then be a friend. The problem's not with the church or the gospel. The problem's with you. It's time for change. And the only way to change is to recognize your problem and willing to do something about it or you will stay the same. Don't stay the same. Luke 8, 13, They on the rock are they, which when they hear, they receive the word with joy. These have no root for a while believe. In a time of temptation, they fall away. They begin to grow. They begin to grasp the truth of the word of God. But then temptation comes. There's many a time, from the time I preached the Bible, from this pulpit, Is worried about the weather. Oh, it may rain. Oh, there might be too many people and it's sunny today. I, I, I might have to get a little early. We get worried about fleshly things and well, caring what people wear and how they look and about silly stuff. And so and so didn't say hi to me, and I shook that guy shook my hands too hard. But God, we the Lord, we get distracted, we get divided before we get discouraged, and then we're back to doing the same old things we did before. Substitution of good habits for bad habits. Luke chapter 11, verse 24, And the unclean spirit has gone out of the man. He walketh through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. He saith, I return to my house whence I came. And he cometh and findeth the swept and garnished. And he goeth thee and taketh to himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they entereth and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. This is a situation where a person recognizes his sin and is willing to repent of that sin, whatever that might be. Maybe smoking, maybe drugs, maybe immorality, maybe pornography. Maybe it could be many things it could be. But you get to the place where you repent of it. to uh, my quiet time alone with God. But, dear friend, if I had to replace my rock and roll with something righteous, I'd be getting the rock and roll right now. If I replace my rock and roll right now, I'm taking my house and saying, God, I can't handle this. See, what you have to do is you have to replace the evil with the good. Because if you don't replace the evil with the good, It's all cleaned out. You've repented of your sin. You recognize you were wrong. Instead of replacing it with righteousness, you, you, you kept it clean and, and worse things came back in your life. The snares of worldly pleasures. Why do people, why do people are pig-headed? Because the Bible says we can easily become humanistic, materialistic, unwilling to sacrifice for the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. For Demas, oh, Demas was with him for so long. But when it came to the end, demons hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, 
is departed in Thessalonica, Christians to Galatia, and Titus to Dalmatia. What's he saying? Demas was there for so long. He was his partner. He was his brother in Christ. But he got his eyes not on the future, the eternal. He got his eyes on the temporal. And so easy to do that. I have no time for Jesus. TV is my God. Money is my God. Work's my God. Family's my God. And Jesus becomes fifth on the list. We forsake truth. We follow the world. Selfish attitude becomes me, about me. Proverbs 14, 14, the backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. The good man shall be satisfied from himself. Sinful living, Matthew 24, verse 12, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. What happens when we don't love one another? We become cold. That can happen in our lives. And then when it happens, ultimately, spiritual enthusiasm is gone. Never last have someone against thee. It's what Jesus said to that church. Because thou hast left thy first love. Have you left your first love? Have you left your first love? May I ask you tonight, there's anything between you and Jesus Christ. If he asked you to give up something tonight for him, would you do it? Would you try? If it doesn't happen, it's super easy to give up this person for him. You know what I'm saying? I know what Moses said. He's up there on the map. But Moses did not do that. And you know what's so much different? We live by the God of the Lord Jesus. But if you step into the fence, it's too late. And that's what Jesus, what we get to do, we begin living our life and sinning. Even though we've been taught from a child the right way to go, we start doing our own thing. We become stiff-necked. And what does that do ultimately? Destroys our testimony and our opportunity to be a gospel gospel witness. We lose our sense of love for the lost. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 38 and 9, Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither property for riches, neither, neither feed me with... Food contentment for me, lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor still and take the name of thy God in vain. Oh, what God can do in our hearts and lives if we'd only repent of our sin and turn to him. God says, Let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them. God and God in his wrath wants to destroy his people. Often we focus and we should focus on God's love on God's mercy and on God's grace. But how often do we hear about God's anger, about God's jealousy, about God's wrath? We don't line up to hear messages about God's anger, about God's judgment, about God's wrath, but it's true. It's true. Dodge up God's wrath is seen several places by different types of offenders. Those who mistreat orphans and widows in Psalm 146, verse 9. The Lord preserveth the strangers. He he leaveth the fatherless and widow by the way of the wicked. He turneth upside down. Those are involved in immorality in Ephesians chapter 5 and and 6. For this you know, that no homeworker, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any affluence in the kingdom of God, have any inheritance in the kingdom of God, but let no man deceive you with vain words or because... For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Truth rejectors. 
Romans 1.18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteous of men, who hold the truth and unrighteousness, Christ rejectors. John 3.36, He believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, but he that believeth not the Son of Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You know who said that? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Revelation. Chapter 14, verse 10, the same shall drink of the wine and the cup of the wrath of God, which is poured out upon the mixture of the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb of God. In the tribulation, people, men will suffer from the wrath of God, and they will suffer through all eternity. Oh, dear friend, we can't ever underestimate the wrath of God. Romans chapter 5 and verse 9, for much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. By his grace, we don't have to experience his wrath. Because of his shed blood, we don't have to experience his wrath. We can sing, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. We deserve his wrath. I, Marty Moon, desire, am, <laughs> I deserve the wrath of God in my life because of my sin, and so do you. But thank God we don't have to have it because of what Christ has done for us. We see the discernment of the Lord, but secondly, the determination of Moses. Oh, what a wonderful man Moses is. We see his life here in verse 11. It talks about that Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power, with a mighty hand? Wow, what Moses had done. Exodus chapter 14, verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, Where is Christ thou unto me, speaking to the children of Israel? But they go forward. Exodus chapter 15, verse 25, and cried to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a tree which was cast into the waters. The waters were made sweet and, and made of them a, st a statue for the ordinance were proved them. Exodus chapter 17, verse 4, Moses cried to the Lord, saying, What shall I do to this people? They'd be almost ready to stone me. Moses even though his people were rebellious, his own Jewish people, the Hebrews, were rebellious, he loved them and cared for them and wanted to leave them. He prayed for them. And surely someone in your life, maybe a brother or sister or child or friend, is rebellious. And you have to be that intercessor for them. You have to stand in the, God, in the gap for them because they're going astray. Think about the several important elements of this intercessory prayer. He said, Lord, these are your people. He reminds them that this, <laughs> these aren't my people, Lord. You said, my people. No, these are your people. You delivered them from bondage. I didn't have the, Moses didn't have the power of his own to, 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 to divide the Red Sea. He didn't have the, the power to, to provide for them in the wilderness. It was God who provided them. It was God who delivered them. These weren't Moses' people. These were the Lord's people. Egypt will be triumphant if Israel was destroyed. If Israel is destroyed, think about what Egypt will say. <laughs> we were delivered from them. They will look back and say, You're, these people who left us, man, their God is no God. Think about, your, think about your reputation, Lord. Lord, your promise to Abraham and Isaac and Israel will be revoked. He would say, hey, remember that promise you made to Abraham? That Abraham covenant? That covenant you made to Isaac? That, that covenant you made to Jacob, which changed his name to Israel? If you break, if you wax hot against them, destroy your people, this is what will happen to them. To pray this way, Moses had to be close to God and comfortable in the presence of God. He had a holy boldness that very few people have. 
That's why the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, 16, let us therefore come bold in the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. And what was the, what was the response of God to ignore his servant, Moses? No, the Bible says he repented. Not often do you see this word repented when it comes to the Lord, but the word repent means to relent, to be moved with pity or have compassion. Because of Moses' intercessory prayer for his people, God's people, God himself repented of what he was going to do to the Hebrews, Jews. Psalm 106, verse 45, remember for them for his covenant and repented according to the multitude of his mercy. God has not changed his course of action and emotions towards men when given proper grounds to do so. God, excuse me, God does change his course of action and emotions towards men when given proper grounds to do so, especially when we repent. That's why it's so important that when we recognize our sin, we will be willing to repent of it. We are, if you are God's child, this morning, then you are in a relationship with God. In that relationship with God, as his father, if you are you and I are walking disobediently like any good father, any good father who sees his children walking away, living a life of disobedience, he would not be God, he would not be just if he didn't some way chastise us, discipline us, and he does. We read it in the book of Hebrews. And it's not, it's not joyful. It's actually very grievous. But if you've lived very long, Christian, you've experienced the hand of God on against you when you chose to go the other way, when you chose to disobey God, you've seen the consequences of it. That's why, dear friend, I, I implore, I, I, I constantly understand in my own life and implore us as a church that if you if you see an area in your life or you sense an area of your life of disobedience, then quickly repent of it. Don't play with it. It's, it's a fearful thing to be in the hand of God. And yeah, we should have an awe of God. Yes, and a reverence for God. But dear friend, remember, he, he controls our very life. It's through him that we live. It's through him that we breathe. It's through him that we have everything. He is all and is all. It is a dangerous thing to sin in the light of God's grace. People say, well, I can sin and God will forgive me. What did Paul say? God forbid. Should we continue in sin that grace shall abound? Should I continue to do that which is I know is against God's will, knowing that grace will cover it? Paul said, God forbid. Oh, God forbid. Turn to Repent. I love what Jonah said in Jonah chapter 3, verse 9. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger and we perish not? And God saw their works and they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he said he would do unto them and he did it not. The Ninevites. God is trying to work in our heart. Would they allow God to work in their heart? The sermon of the people, the determination of Moses for the discipline of the people. We see it in verse 15. And Moses turned and went down to the mountain. The two of the tables of the testimony were in his hand. The tables were written on both sides. On one side, on the other, were they written. You see the tables of the law in verse 15 and 16. 
We see the trepidation of Joshua in verse 17. And Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted. He said, and Moses, there's a noise of war in the camp. They weren't singing Rock of Ages cleft for me. They weren't, singing, they weren't singing because he lives I can face tomorrow. They weren't saying, they weren't singing uh, the sweet songs of Zion. No, they were singing, I believe, the songs they learned in Egypt. That's why, dear friend, you have to be careful about going back to sing, singing the songs you were listening to back in Egypt. You say, why is that, Pastor? Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I can tell you what type of Christian you are by the type of music you listen to. You say, preacher, that's pretty strong. Well, dear friend, as you think about, if you think, if you're, if you're going back and listening to the same thing that you were at 17, how, how, where are you at spiritually? Are you any different than you were? It's because you're, you're a different age. You can be 80 years old physically, but 12 years old spiritually. Have you changed in who you are in the direction of your life? It starts in the secret place where nobody sees, nobody hears. Hey, nobody's watching me in the car. Nobody knows. Pastor Moon's not here. Oh, dear friend, God's there. He's more important than Pastor Moon ever will be. God sees you in, when you're listening on your, when your, your iPad, your, the pods in your ears. He hears. He knows. He cares. Does it matter what we see? Does it matter what we know? Oh, there's, there's, a, there's a war. There's a noise of war in the camp. I'm sure it was wicked noise. We see the temper of Moses. How did he respond? Verse 18 and 19. He says, not the voice of them that shout for mastery, neither is the voice of them that cry for being overcome. But the noise of them that, that sing do I hear. And it came to pass as soon as he came nigh in the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing and the Moses' anger waxed hot and he cast the table out of his, out of his hands and brake them beneath the mount. Can you imagine this? Here he'd been spending... All this time with God, face, his face glowed, his, his face shone, the glory of God. And he comes down with these two tablets written on both sides, and he sees his people. He sees his people, and they're involved in all types of wickedness beyond which I can even mention in the, in the mixed company tonight. And it just, just it breaks his heart. And because it breaks his heart, he breaks the two tables Right in front of him. Mm. He loses it. Have you walked in, seen sin? It's all around us, isn't it? We see two men kissing, it should bother us. We see two women in lesbian relationship, it should bother us. Used to be when someone said God's name in vain, it bothered us. Used to be when, when people said four-letter words, it bothered us. Now we don't bless you anymore because we're so used to it. That's why our country is going down, because we're used to sin. It's in becoming the house of God. There's very few places that you can go where sin is not so rampant. Oh, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, The fear of the Lord is beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. We see the temper of Moses, the trepidation of Joshua, Joshua but fourthly, the trouncing of the calf idol. In verse 20, the Bible says, and they took the calf, and they were made, and burned it in fire, and ground it into powder, and, stra and strawed it upon the water, and made the children of Israel drink it. Wow. Wow. In judgment, Moses destroys the idol. 
scalded it in the flame, smashed it to powder, scattered it in dust, and the children of Israel swallowed it. Nothing convinces men more of their vanity of idolatry than seeing idols destroyed. On this day, the tables of the law were broken. God's people broke their covenant with God. So Moses broke the, the tablets. Israel was not worthy to receive them. Interesting enough, this was on the 17th of Tammuz, which is July. On the 17th of, of Tammuz, the Babylonians broke through the walls of Jerusalem and caused the daily sacrifice to cease. For the first time in 400 years, the priests mourned because they could no longer continue the daily sacrifice required by the law of God. Also on this same day, the Roman army forced and halt of the daily sacrifice by the breaking of the temple area. This was 40 years after crucifixion and 656 years after Babylon. Why? The national sin of Israel and the rejection of Christ brought judgment. Sin always brings judgment. We've seen the discernment of the Lord, the determination of Moses, the discipline of his people, but the disobedience of Aaron. Oh, this Aaron, the right hand of Moses, he knew better. He just didn't do better. Moses said to Aaron, what did this people unto thee that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? Why? We basically were saying, Aaron, why did you do this? You knew this was wrong. At this point, I wish Aaron would have said, I was wrong. Teenagers, when you do something you know you shouldn't do, your mom and dad comes to you. Your mom and dad comes to you and says, why do you do this? The temptation is going to be said, well, my sister said I had to do it. Or I saw you do it. No, you probably shouldn't say that. That might get you in worse trouble. The best thing you can do, and let me tell you from about 40 years of experience, the best thing you can do to save yourself a worse discipline is to say, Mom and Dad, I was wrong. That's the best thing to do. The best thing to do when you, when you and I are faced with our sin is not try to blame it on someone else. That's exactly what happened here. What happened? Well, he talks about it. You know the people, they're determined to do mischief. It's the, it's the people's fault. It's not my fault. It's the people's fault. Somebody else, it couldn't be me. Let not thy anger wax, uh, anger of my Lord wax hot. Verse 22, thou knowest the people that they're set against mischief. They're just mischievous people. They're wicked. It reminds you of what, of what, what uh, Saul said to Samuel. Why, why, did you, why didn't you, you slay all the animals and all the people like I command you to do? Why didn't you destroy all the Amalekites? Well, it was the people. The people made me do it. Same thing happened in Garden of Eden, right? It was the, the woman that thou has given me. What to blame it? It's the other person's fault. Other person's fault. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 20. The Lord is very angry with Aaron to have destroyed him and pray for Aaron also at the same time. A decision was called for. The people were out of control. They were wicked. Something had to be done. When there is no vision, the Bible says in Proverbs 29 and 18, the people perish. He that keeps the law happy is he. So what happens here? There has to be a judgment. And basically, Moses says, who's on the Lord's side? Who's on the Lord's side? These people had gone astray. They had been disobedient. They're a place of nakedness. And dear friend, it happens in society. They worse, the more sinful they become. 
The more pierced they become, the more tattooed they become, the more naked they become. If you've been around more than 50 years, things in church are a whole lot different than they used to be, right? Three things, uh, people, the way people dress and act in, in strip malls and areas outside a whole lot different than they used to be. Have we become better? Oh, more technologically advanced, we can pay for things with our phone, or they can have a chip in our head and figure out what we're saying. But morally, have we gotten any better? No, we've gotten a whole lot worse. So the place where Moses, verse 26, stood at the gate of the camp and said, Who's on the Lord's side? Who's on the Lord's side? Well, what happened? All the sons of Levi, the priestly group, gathered themselves together unto him and said unto them, Thus saith the Lord of God of Israel, Put every man his sword by the side, and go in out of the gate throughout the camp, and slay every man his brother, and every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. Basically, there's a time of judgment. There's a time of judgment. Joshua will say the same thing in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers served on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, in those land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Those same words were echoed by Elijah. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21. Elijah came to all the people and said, How long halt you between the two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. If be Baal, then follow him. And the Lord answered him, Not a word. Ultimately, every one of us has to come to the place in our life where we say, who are we going to follow? Whether it Jesus or ourself? You see, friends, really, it's just two choices on the, self, on the shelf, following God or following self. Who are you going to follow? On a regular basis, on a daily basis, you and I must make that decision. Who am I going to follow? It involves personal consecration to God. It involves personally and sometimes publicly renouncing evil. I've had people, I've seen people publicly get behind the pulpit and say, I renounce the sin of this. Just like they do in, in, uh, in Alcohol Anonymous. I am an alcoholic. I've, had, I've seen Christians who really struggle with sin say publicly, I struggle with this. I don't need your help. I need your prayer. Why not? If we confess our faults, right? Confess your faults one to another and pray for another that you may be healed. We're, we're, we're so scared that people find out our sin. We don't, we don't want them to know. We're so scared. Well, dear friends, everybody in this room, we're all sinners, right? Have you, is anybody in this room, did anybody in this room not sin this week? Would you come tell me? Whisper in my ear tonight. Hey, preacher, I didn't sin one time. I, 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 you know, I didn't think one bad thought against my wife all week long. I, I didn't get mad at that TV. I didn't throw it, in, I, you know. I didn't get mad about the government, even though they raised my taxes again. I, I, didn't, get, I didn't get upset. Man, I, I've been just peace and sweet all week long. Would you come tell me about that? Because I'd like to meet you and shake your hand. I'll even take you to Sonny's, Brother Norm. Brother Norm's here tonight. He's the guy who introduced me to Sonny's. And why I'm a chaplain in, at, at Sonny's? Because of that dear brother. Shake his hand, will you? It involves personal consecration. It involves saying no to worldliness. It involves doing the work of God. Because when you say no to sin, you have to say yes to God. That's why it's so imperative that you and I get busy doing God's work. We should so get so busy doing what God wants us to do that we don't have time to serve the devil. We don't have no time to serve the flesh. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. 
It causes us to be lethargic. It causes us to be lazy. It causes us to be sinful. It destroys our lives. The discernment of the Lord, the, detriment, the determination of Moses, the, the, the discipline of the people, a decision is called for. And finally, the discourse of Moses in verses 29 through 30, 35, we see it as we close. For Moses has said, Consecrate yourself today for the Lord, even every man upon his son, upon the, his brother, that he may bestow upon him a blessing this day. And came to pass on the morrow that Moses said to his people, Ye have sinned a great sin, and now I will go unto the Lord peradventure. You shall make atonement. I shall make atonement for your sin. Moses was like, it was like a type of Christ. Both were obscure, had a both had an obscure birth. Both were in peril and infancy. Both passed their youth in obscurity. Both men felt they had a mission but were rejected by their brethren. Both men showed signs and wonders to show their mission was from God. Both men were great deliverers and teachers, leading their people through wilderness. Both men offered to be a sacrifice for their brethren. Moses would, what would basically say in verse 32, God, if you won't forgive their sin, if thou, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me. Wow. Paul, in the book of Romans, says the same thing. But imagine saying to God, please forgive your people. But if you won't do it, blot me out. Basically, take my name out of your book. I would rather be destroyed. I'd rather perish for all eternity and be sentenced for hell forever than for you to destroy your people. Wow. You think he meant it? I think he meant it. Imagine that. The Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever sinned against me, him will I blot out of the book. No, my Moses, you didn't sin. You're not, the, you're not the sinner. You're the intercessor, but you're not the sinner. Uh, you're the intercessor. Those who sinned, they will get what's coming to them. As I close, what can we glean from this? Though I've said many things tonight, let me focus on these three things. We need to wait on God's timing, not our own. We're not sure what's going to happen. Oh, Aaron should have waited when they came to him and said, Let's do something. He should have said, we are going to obey God. You're going to be tempted in your life this week, I guarantee you, to go away, to go astray from God's will in your life. To rush in where angels fear to try. And do something silly, stupid, or just plain sinful. Because your flesh wants you to do. You just want to do it because you want to do it. It's that moment you need to say, wait, I'm not doing that. That's wrong. Remember what you've been taught. Remember the truth of the word of God. Remember, remember, remember. The Bible says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. Go, don't, don't go, uh, there's an old saying, fools rush in. Don't just do something because it feels right, because it looks right, because everybody wants you to, because you're tempted to wait on God's timing. It might be the right thing to do, but the wrong time to do it. Wait. Secondly, when we are wrong, take action for your, our, you, our, responsi for our responsibilities. When we fall, take responsibility for it. 
David ultimately said in Psalm 51, verse 3, For I acknowledge my transgressions, my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee alone only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Thou mayest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Wait on God's timing. When we do wrong, humbly confess it. Take responsibility for it. Be, be, be quick to, com, to confess your sin. Don't blame it on your brother, your sister, your wife, your friend, your cousin, your bat, your rat, nobody else. Just admit it. I was wrong. I was wrong. Take whatever it comes, whatever punishment it may be, take it. Take it. And thirdly, let's seek to have a broken spirit instead of a stiff neck. Let's, 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 have, a, let's have a sweet spirit. A broken spirit. Psalm 51, verse 16. Same chapter. For thou desirest not sacrifice. More things to do. More work. I'll please God by just doing more. No, no, no. It's not doing more. It's not doing more. He said, no, I, I don't desire sacrifice. Else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. Verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou will not despise. That's what we need. You see, you can preach all day long about tithing and faith promise and about witnessing. Well, you know what it comes down to ultimately? Your heart. Where's your heart? The problem is always our heart. Where's our heart? If it's proud, if I do my own thing, go my own way. Mm, no. Aaron. Aaron. You are fearful. You are afraid. You sinned. And because of your sin, so many people were destroyed. Because of our sin, we lose the joy. We lose the fellowship. We lose the wonder. We lose our care and love for other people. And our lives are not the light that they should be in the community. It is oh so dark and it's getting darker. Where's your heart tonight? Hard. Stiff neck. I'm going to do what I want. When I want to do it, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Or soft. Where's it at tonight? What is that area? What is that closet that the Holy Spirit's putting his finger on tonight that you know you shouldn't be doing? That acquaintance that you know you shouldn't have. That habit, that hobby, that show. That program, that music, I think we talked about that a few times. That you know is not right. Oh, nobody cares. Oh, God cares. God cares. Stay the same. You'll stay mediocre. You'll stay lukewarm. Or change. Don't be dumb. Be different. Listen to the Holy Spirit of God. Father, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for what you do working in our life constantly because of your great mercy.